Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. All righty, sports fans, welcome on in. It is Unrivaled 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. I'm Scott Mitchell. Joining me is Jake Hatch. Uh, what you're you're like the guy of all trades, right? Sure. How should I officially say you, Jake Hatch? Uh, Producer of the DJ and PK show. Yep. DJ PK. Exactly. Is that it? So I do every Come on, morning. there's more. You have a Saturday show? I do the Saturday show with Michelle Bodkin. Yes. I do a BYU podcast on oh, the Oh, my goodness. Yes. He's so, tearing it up. It's fun. Anyways, Alex Carey, gone on secret assignment. Ah, Jay is that Catch, what it is? Yeah. Is, it, is it secret assignment? Well, okay. yeah, it's secret. No, one's, no one knows about it. So. <laughs> Fair enough. CIA, something to do yeah. with. I mean, he doesn't kill people. We know that it's not that kind of job, but, you know. <laughs> okay, that you're Subversive. You know, he's trying to, like, mess up governments and things like that. Sure. Just, it's a it. thing he does on the side. Look, we've got a show today, okay? Jazz play tonight. It's right here. It is, of course, the home, uh, radio home of the Utah Jazz. They play the, uh, I don't know, they play the Spurs again and again and again. Like if the Jazz aren't careful, if they play the Spurs enough, they'll they'll play themselves into first place. So here. here's the funny thing, Scott. This is the third time this season so far the Jazz have had a back to back against the same opponent. Third time this year. Yeah, they they yeah. they they've previously faced the I think it's the New Orleans Pelicans and maybe even actually the Thunder as well. That they they played two straight games against one one another. Well, and that's good. It's going to happen again here after this because exactly. they're going to play OKC yep. twice. In exactly. Row, so. so yeah. Weird, weird how they work out that schedule. Oh, we've got Coach Tim Lacombe. He's coming on. Mitch Harper, our BYU insider. Uh, uh, and guess what else we got, folks? We got tickets. We are giving away tickets today. Three pairs of tickets. Three pairs of tickets. Jazz Celtics coming up here, I don't know, in a couple of weeks. Jazz are on the road here for a little while, but uh, they'll, they'll come back home. Just give them time. And, of course, uh, got some NFL Combine talk a lot of guys from Utah and uh, 
a lot of guys, Utah meaning the state of Utah, but also the University of Utah, and uh, a lot of guys are actually, uh, well, they're being highly highly regarded. So it's a very interesting thing. We're going to talk about that. And that actually is the cut. The other question. Undeniable. Unrivaled. Top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Ain't nothing like it. Hey, our show is brought to you by G2G Bars with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and plenty of protein. G2G Bars are perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. I know I need that, and uh, I love G2G Bars. They're awesome. Of course, also, uh, our sh- the, the cut's brought to you by uh, Trajan Wealth. Call Trajan Wealth today, your local, trusted financial fiduciary. 801-899-7600. Or visit their website at TrajanWealth.com. All right, Jake. I'm no mathematician. (laughs) Okay. I'm no mathematician, but I do know this. The Jazz are 117. That's how many points they score. You know how many they give up? 117. Oh, so they're they're right on it. Okay. You know what their record is? 31 and 31. 31 and 31. I mean, I'm no mathematician. But does that stat mean anything to anyone? I mean, you know, I just—I mean, I just pulled it out of my hat here. Well, it's kind of funny to think, like, okay, they're they're sitting at five hundred, and they give up as many points as, as they score. It's just kind of the symmetry. The symmetry yeah. is fun. Yeah. So the Jazz giveth and the Jazz mm-hmm. taketh away. All right, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who uh, is uh, on the NFL Network, uh, talking about Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from the University of Utah. And, of course, the Combine is going to start this week. Uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, I have a lot of mixed feelings about the Combine. There's a lot of people that think it's absolutely worthless. <laughs> yeah. uh, it actually started, its origins are fascinating how it all started. And we and I, I'm certainly happy to share that with you. But Don Kincaid, a lot of folks are saying that they believe he's the best tight end in the draft. He, yeah, and that's the thing about this is so uh, this morning on DJ and PK we had Cam Miller, a guy that you're familiar with on this show. You've had him on a number of times. Uh, he said that the ceiling for Dalton Kincaid, he think he could be tight end one, like be the top tight end in the draft. Well, he he kind of couched it saying he could be. Daniel Jeremiah upped the ante though with what he said. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, um, you know, you you watch uh, Dalton Kincaid, which I I've re- I've watched, and and he's a guy. He, he's one of those. He's he's the tight end version of like Josh Allen, sure. You yeah, know, there's yeah, yeah. there's a lot of like talent there. There's a lot of, and so I can I can see this whole idea of, I don't know the, uh, you know the kind of growing into a body kind of thing, and and he he hasn't certainly reached his prime because he, I, a couple of things happened. You know, he got better uh, just because of you know his his abilities, and you saw how tough he was during the season and where he played and played injured. But when when Brant Keithy went down, he became a much more prominent role mm-hmm. in, in the offense. And, and in some regards, it's almost like Cam Rising relied on him maybe too much and looked looked for him too much. But, you know, it's hard, it's hard to argue with the production and, and what kind of player, he, you know, he actually is. Well, and the thing about this is, uh, is Mike Garofalo, I believe, who reported this, that he suffered a small fracture in his back during that Colorado game. Yeah. Played through it in the Pac-12 title game, and obviously he had to sit out, he sat out the Rose Bowl. 
that screams to me that this dude's an absolute gamer. That's the thing about this. This dude will will put on whatever it takes to get out there on the football field. Uh, now, as a result of the rehab from that fracture, he's not doing on-field workouts at the Combine this weekend. But the, the on-field workouts for a guy like this, they're almost secondary in a way, Scott, because you mentioned the fact that he, you feel like he's kind of like a Josh Allen type. You, they have all the film they need to see. They saw him against USC they, twice. They, they've seen him against Power 5 defenses all season long. They can go back and compare that tape and say, okay, what changed from the, the, the period before the injury to Brent Keith and what happened afterwards? And really, if you watch it, you're going to see him take a step up because he yeah. realized I've, I, my, my star running mate over here is done, so I've got to take it to the next level. And that's exactly what he did. And NFL teams are really lucky to have this kid on their roster. I, I, think, I think one of the things with, with Dalton Kincaid, and, and by the way, in this segment, we're actually going to talk through some of the other guys mm-hmm. that are in the uh, draft, uh, really uh, the kind of the top prospects here from the state of Utah. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. But Don Kincaid... um... The first thing that ever really stood out to me when I watched him was his ability to, uh, you know, catch the ball in tight situations. And, sure. and, and like, it's one of those things, and I'll tell you, as a quarterback, when you know you can throw it to a guy in a certain spot, he, he's get, they're just, there's just some guys that can catch it and some guys can't. It's like, it's like defensive players. There's some guys that can blitz and get to the quarterback, and there are other guys that can blitz and never get there. And they can yeah. they can not have anyone block them, and they still don't get there, you know. And it's just, and so there, it's it's you know, you talk about that gamer mindset, and that that's what it is. Is when you know that you get the ball near this guy, he's going to catch it ten out of, you know, eleven times. I mean, it's just he just he's going to be a a real steady influence. And then you see the athleticism and his ability to run and and to move with the ball. And there's comparisons. And, you know, people get all weird if you start comparing players. Yeah. But but it gives you an idea of kind of the type. It's a Travis Kelsey and a Zach Ertz kind of, you know, type of player. He's, he's a little bit of a hybrid tight end. Sure. Not that, you know, necessarily tough, tough in the trenches going to block. I mean, he'll, he'll I'm sure he'll be plenty efficient at blocking. But he's, he's definitely an offensive or an offensive-minded player. Just like I said, that a little, a little yeah. offensive. Uh, but uh, he's a guy that, that can uh, he can be a playmaker for you on offense for sure. Well, that's the thing about this is he has got all of the traits of the great tight ends in the NFL right now. You can look at the Travis Kelseys. The I think the in the yeah the quote from Dan Jeremiah he mentioned Zach Ertz in, yeah. in part of the comparison. Those guys 
Yeah, while they may not be the Rob Gronkowskis of the world, where they're going to be just as capable blocking as they are receiving the football, they're still getting the job done in the blocking sphere. But more importantly, their job out there is to be an offensive threat in the passing game. And that's exactly what Dalton Kincaid's going to offer to a team. He's getting first-round love, absolutely deserving of it, because this is a guy who has all of the skills, that, at least on paper, to, I think you and I are in agreement, that scream to you, okay, this guy could emerge as one of the top half, if not top ten tight ends in the NFL in relatively short order. You know, you get on the right team. Sure, and it's going to be scheme's going to be a big and part of it. Where you can you can scheme your way into a mismatch, mm-hmm. and and, there, and I think one of the biggest mismatches you can get is a tight end on on some kind of def, defensive back, and maybe it's a small safety or, or you know a, a, a nickel corner uh, or even a linebacker for that matter. Yes. He he's a guy. If you do it right, and you have the personnel to do it right. Then you can create mismatches, and and he could really flourish. You know, he, he really could because t- there's a pecking order. Like like what people need to understand, there's a pecking order, right? Not all defensive players are made the same. No. And so if you have a really good offensive weapon at wide receiver, that's going to draw typically the best cover guy, mm-hmm. and then it just goes down the line. So you have two or three really good offensive threat weapons. Your tight end typically could be. Number, the number three option, and and he's gonna he's gonna draw the short straw. You know, whoever gets sure. him is gonna be that guy, and it, and and that's that's how you win in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like you don't like you you go around. I'm just I'm educating you here. If you yeah, no, I, if you're I, interested, I like this. yeah. When you're behind the center, you go. I got all these options here. Uh-huh. Where do I have the best probability of having a guy get open? Like, why make it hard on yourself? And and what and what what happens is it psychologically just wears on a defense. Sure, I remember we ended up Brett Perriman and we were playing the 49ers, and they had uh, they had a guy Marcus Pope yep. who was who was yeah. a, he was a safety really okay. in his ability, but he was playing but he was playing corner yeah. on Brett Perriman. Now Brett Perriman was was really one A as far as our options. Mm-hmm. And I remember throwing like he had like fifteen throws his way in a game. I mean, I think I threw to him five times in a row. Okay, and you could just see that like, and they, they were all completions. It wasn't yeah. even hard. Uh, so when you get a guy that has that ability, and if you do it right, you know you you can have that. Which which Dalton Kincaid potentially could be that guy because that's that's what all these teams do. That sure. the teams that have the good tight ends are the teams that that have other weapons that create. You know, because because we sit here and we go, well, he could be good, but he could also be bad if he gets on the wrong team and he's he's the only guy and the only option. Well, let me throw one thing at people. We all know the Kansas City Chiefs and they just won the Super Bowl title. Well, they dumped Tyreek Hill. He got big money from yes. with Miami and everything. So good for him cashing in. But I remember the talk. What is Andy Reid doing here? Yeah. Like, he he is gutting part of his offense, getting Tyreek Hill out of that offense. Well, what did he do? He retooled it. They obviously brought in some receivers like Nicole Hardman and J- Juju Smith-Schuster, but the focal point of that offense went to Travis Kelsey, yep. their tight end. And guess what? It worked just as well, if not better. And so <laughs> They won a Super Bowl. Exactly. Patrick Mahomes is an MVP, throws uh-huh. for more yards than he ever has. Uh-huh. And, and in some regards, that's that's that situation. I know, I, know the, the, I love talking about this, but yeah. that's, that's where Patrick Mahomes – becomes maybe not so dialed into one guy, sure. right? And maybe even Andy Reid isn't as dialed into 
one guy, and we really got to, you know, because Tyreek Hill is a fun guy to dial into. I mean, you're going, oh. I'd, I'd throw to the him. Fast, the fastest guy on the field. Many yeah, times absolutely. as I possibly can. Yeah. I mean, he turns a short route into a touchdown more than <laughs> I think anybody. So, yeah, uh-huh. it's exciting. But, yeah, having that well-balanced offense, uh, you know, and the teams that are smart and the teams that win figure that out and they know how to do it. All right. I just want you to mm-hmm. pick out of this list okay. who you think the best next option doesn't matter BYU Utah, but who's the next best option you think that'll that'll go off the board next? Best prospect after okay, so after or, hmm. or he could even be a better prospect. But I don't know. I, I don't think he's, I'm not gonna say better because I think Kincaid is far and away the best prospect in this state, yes. of the crop out of this state. Now I've got two names in mind. I, I, I've got a t- essentially I'm gonna be like two A and two B for me. You're a BYU scene. guy, aren't you? I forget. One's a, one's a Ute, one's a Cougar. Okay. just I'm, So 2A is Clark Phillips. Yes. 2B is Blake Freeland. Yes. Because I— Tell f- me about Freeland. So Freeland is a—he's an athlete at, 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 at heart. This yeah. is a guy—there was actually a funny thing. There's people that are trying to correlate, and they actually did research on this. Every year, they actually go through guys' backgrounds, and they pull the shot put records for oh. guys who threw the shot put. And there's a correlation if you are among the best, if not the best guy in your draft class in the shot put from your high school days, that it translates usually to you being a fairly good player in the NFL. It's it's complete nonsense, it feels like, in many ways. But Blake Freeland in this year's draft class has the best shot put throw. He actually had the state title at 64 feet and change at Harriman High School. Yeah. His parents are both former dual sport athletes at BYU. He never played offensive line before getting to BYU. I, ca- I called games of his in high school. He played tight end, quarterback, a punter at one point, never played offensive line, goes to BYU his first year, and they told him, hey, you're going to be playing offensive tackle for us. They put him in there as a freshman at right tackle against Boise State. If you remember when Baylor Romney made his first career start for BYU, well, his right tackle was also making his first career start, and it's Blake Freeland. The next year, he moves to left tackle, replacing Brady Christensen. And Brady Christensen, who was a third-round pick for the Carolina Panthers, is now starting in the NFL. No drop-off whatsoever. Yeah. Blake Freeland's going to go to the combine here. He's going to show like a freak because he can run. He's got great explosion in his lower body. NFL teams, if they're going to go simply with the whole Al Davis, like, ooh, that guy can run fast, a guy like Blake Freeland's going to fly up a draft board if somebody's going to do that. Well, that's what they do. I mean, well, the biggest surprise to out. Me, yeah, the biggest surprise to me um, when, when I w- went into the NFL, mm-hmm. everybody's good. Oh. Like at every position. Like <laughs> – I grew up where, like the you know the the drop off was on the offensive sure. defensive line. Yeah, like the non athletes, it's like, hey, okay, you're kind of big, but you know, you're not. <laughs> the thing is, is those guys on the offensive line are as good as an athlete as anybody These, on. This is the elite on the field. of the elite. It's it's. Ins- I remember yeah. Jerome Curse. Okay, and he ran. Uh, he chased down. I was playing for the Baltimore Colts or the Ravens. Ravens yeah. And Priest Holm was running down the left sideline, and Jerome Curse from the other side of the field chased him down. Jeez. And and I was just like, okay, that that's <laughs> – like those guys – because I could run fast, yeah. but it, I couldn't run that fast. Like when guys started getting into the league like that, I was like, nah, I'm probably going to get hurt out here. Sure. I, I'm too old for this. Well, and to Freeland uh, – on Freeland's point, he may not be the most refined offensive lineman yet. He's only got four years right. of playing offensive yeah. line. But the physical tools, the arm length, the height-weight combo, the athleticism, all of it is going to scream to yep. an NFL team or multiple NFL teams like, we need to get this guy in our system. Yep, and uh, and he's one of those you know high ceilings, yes. very much like Dalton Kincaid. You know, you, you brought up 
Wow, this is flying by way too fast. We may, we may, <laughs> come we may extend this into the next, the next segment. Uh oh, Jer- Jer- <laughs> Jeremy's shaking his Jeremy's head. Jeremy's shaking no, his head. No, you will not do that. You will follow the rundown as I like, as I wrote it out. You like, guys can do what you want. It's fine. We have great stuff. You're doing amazing. It's like I called a fastball, and Jeremy said, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> Shook you off, yeah. Shook me off, and I'm like, "Hey, it's spring uh, training wow. time. Uh, I better hurry up and pitch though, because uh, you know they got a clock on me now." <laughs> So you you brought up a, a point, mm-hmm. and this, this is the, about kind of the the um, scouting assessment of people, yeah. right? And people pick up on, you know, the kid was, you know, his parents this that, yeah. you know, play, you know, shot put, all these little things that don't necessarily have anything to do with a sport, right? It's trying to find out who, you know, what what is this person, you know, and all these things. I I was a free agent. And I was going to sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So Gil Brandt. All right. Yeah. Who is like the father of yeah, like, like of the scouting and and the no, and he's the, the godfather. Right. Of it he's all, yeah. the he's the guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm in the facility, and he comes up, introduces himself to me. Sure. And he and he said, you know, I and I knew who he was and whatever, and and he goes, boy, I remember when you came out of Utah, and he goes, I loved you. Okay. And he goes, you did something, and do you know what it was that just really stuck with me? And I'm like, uh, no. You know, I'm just like, you know, because usually they go, you made a throw in this game or you did this sure. or something like that. And he said, you were a Mormon kid that grew up in right in the shadow of BYU, related to Lavelle Edwards, and you told him no. <laughs> Good point. And he goes, that's a guy that I knew could handle, like, you know, tough situations and handle the scrutiny and handle some of the pressure that you deal with as a quarterback. Okay. And I was like, you know, I never I never really thought, because it, it was a, a tough decision, and, and I took a lot of flack for it down the road from certain people, but I it would have been the last thing in the world. And that was part of what he wrote up as a draft like in his notes. In his notes when wow. when I was drafted, but that's the kind of thing, you know, that that folks folks actually look for. Fascinating Crazy. stuff. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the makeup of of Blake Freeland and how he is, you know, his body type, the athleticism, like it 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 translates definitely to the NFL. It'll be curious, you know, to see kind of I don't know where where he ends up with anything. Can we do one more? All right, let's talk about Clark Phillips. Yeah, um, what jumps off the, the the table with with Clark Phillips with you? Production, despite being non ideal, not ideal sized. Right, because that's the that's the challenge is the size. Because that's the thing about this is uh, NFL these days wants a six foot one, six foot two, six foot three cornerback to counter the big wide receivers they're going up yeah. against. Clark Phillips, I'm going to generously say he's five foot ten. Yeah, like. They want Sauce Gardner, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they want Sauce Gardner. Yeah. But the thing about this is what I love about Clark is every time you had one of these quote-unquote big-body receivers from USC on down the line, Oregon, et cetera, what did he do? He went out and played man-on-man man with those guys. With the best yep. guy yep. and won more than his fair yep. share of those battles. That is what an NFL team is going to like about him is, yeah, he may not be your ideal size, and he may end up playing your slot cornerback spot in certain defenses if that's who, what team yep. picks him. But you know he's going to compete, and he's going to win more than he loses. So 
<laughs> I've had so many people say what you just said, right? Yeah. And it's accurate, 100% accurate. Here's what really makes me nervous about Clark Phillips. Okay. The dude does not want to play in the slot. He, 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 see, I know. And, and there was a lot of consternation because they put him in the slot I in remember. some situations yeah. and it did not go well. Like it was, it was like, okay. It's kind of like, I'm not a slot guy. I'm, I'm an outside guy. And, and it'll be interesting when he gets to a place where, you know, he's not on scholarship anymore. And they're like, well, you can play here or not play at all. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that he's a slot guy. I, he's got, he has the makings of a guy that would play in the slot. There's no question about sure, that. Sure, the physically it yes. screams that he'd be a slot but guy. But to your point, and I think it's a it's a great point. He was very productive as a, as an outside corner mm-hmm. and playing on an island. And you know he had great instincts and he he great. I think closing to the ball was just probably the strongest suit. I think he has the thing that. I guess really stood out to me was his ability to like, he earned every interception that he oh, got. Yeah. Like it wasn't fluke passes, you know, just like every interception it wasn't was a tip drill. No, yeah. it was a great play, great position and probably could have had, who knows, you know, um, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe more, I don't know, but uh, certainly just, just a, an amazing talent for, for sure. And a guy, a guy, the question is: Is does, is he a guy that ends up going in the first round or not? But he'll go early. He, he will go early. He'll probably, he's probably a day two guy, but he's gonna make plenty of money. There's no doubt about that. Man, you you be a you, all. You, all you have to do is be a free agent, and you make a lot of money. Yeah, it's, sure, it's insane. Anyways, the the combine is this week, and I hate the combine. Hated it when I was a part of it. It's a traumatic, terrible experience. I think it's the biggest waste of time in the world, and I think it it becomes big because we want football. Oh, yeah. Like I think the only reason the combine is so big is it's just it's just an opportunity for people like us to talk about what we're talking about. But I'm really not. I'll tell you more about it when we come back. Okay. All right, we're gonna take a break here. Um, it is unrivaled, ninety-seven-five DKSL Sports Zone. We come back. Oh, the Pac-12 is can't help but kind of get in its own way. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.